Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, another fun show with Rich and Bellelli as we cover a wide variety of madness including Rich's freaky subconscious unveils some crazy dreams, Jesus' twin brother fighting dragons in India, really? 1950s China learns the hard way that environmental impact studies can be helpful, outlaw ethics, ghost kings, and tales of silent discos and dancing under the space shuttle Endeavor. Now you gotta listen. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli as we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 133. As always, my 134, my man. Boop, 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 boop. You know, I even wrote it down. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to try again. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode. They're flying past of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 134. Here we are again. We're in a super secret location somewhere high above Los Angeles, giving us... We had rain today, like a, a surprise rainstorm. We got dumped on out by the uh, up by the ocean. Amazing. And that's Daniele Bolelli. That is me indeed. So let's give... Oh, you know what? I'm going to read one more time. We've done it. Uh, the good old Datsusara spot involving Isis. Yes. I'm going to read the original version. Excellent. So let's forget this is an, an, as an ad. This is a Duncan Trussell homage uh, ad poetry. Here we go. If you find yourself strapped to a chair with an Isis torturer applying electrodes to your genitals <laughs> and about to turn the voltage on, there's a good chance that in that precise moment, he may notice your Datsusara backpack you are carrying when you are captured. And mesmerized by the amazing design and tactile joy brought to him by running his fingers over the fabric, he may forget all about his torturing intentions. He may suddenly be struck by the senseless horror he has unleashed over the years and realize that all he wanted all along was to make the world a better place, but somewhere along the way, things had gone horribly wrong. In that moment, with tears in his eyes, he would remove the electrodes from your genitals, untie you and beg your forgiveness before helping you escape. None of this would have happened had you been captured with some shitty backpack you bought from a department store. Isis converting magic is not part of the manufacturer description of most backpacks, but rest assured, it's part of the deal when you acquire a Datsusara backpack. True words have never been spoken. That makes me happy every time. Look at that. I think I've had that one five years. Yeah, it's, it's been stuff. all over the country. It's been out on the ocean on fishing trips. So you guys know the deal. DSgear.com for some glorious, glorious stuff. I mentioned uh, in the previous episodes, we even had Aubrey on a couple of episodes ago. Aubrey Marcos, CEO of Onnit, has his first book out. Um, check him out. 
I'm sure many, many people listen to his podcast, many people. So check out what Aubrey's got to say in his first book. And while you are at it, I don't know if he's still going, but it's worth a try because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll notify me when they discount this thing or not, but they'll actually not discount is the wrong word. I meant discontinue, but there's a on it link I'll put in the episode notes. I think it's on it.com slash redeem, I want to say. I may be wrong, where you can try for free a bottle of Alpha Brain. You just pay for shipping and handling. That's it, nothing else. So if you have always wondered, hey, I wonder if this stuff works for me or not, but the price, you were not sure about it, this is your chance to well, do it. Well, I think it. they always yeah. offered if, if you weren't satisfied, you could return the bottle. Yeah, this is even easier. So yeah, yeah. they are really like trying to, in Hands every way, out. to convince you. Shh. Try it out because you'll like it. Kind As of with thing. any good deal, the first one's always free. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the idea, right? It's like, hey, if you like the product, suddenly you decide that the price may be worth it. And I think they are confident in their product. That's why. Yeah. Short design t-shirts with the coolest t-shirts on the planet. If you want our own podcast t-shirts, we have four of them in the episode notes. Um, the original logo, the Nietzsche shirt, Dionysian Parade, EQ, or check out Short Design website for their cool and funky stuff. Now, before we get going, one more thing I want to mention real quick. There's um, actually two things I want to mention real quick. One, if you guys work out, and if you're not 18 years old and you bounce back from any injury or whatever, these nice folks who sponsor Savannah's MMA career, NeverTapGear.com, they produce um, knee braces that basically help, knee guards, knees, that kind of stuff, that basically help you um, give extra support to the knee. So, you know, every time you use knee braces, you're obviously sacrificing a little mobility in favor of stability. And uh, there are different kinds from more mellow, very light type to heavy duty. Check them out because um, I pop my knee three times. It's never fun. So I dig having something extra protection on my joints. Next week's episode will be brought to you by Bifocals. Right. That's the no, but that's the thing, it's like fuck you. I'm not old, but I still need it. So yeah. that's how it goes. <laughs> and the other thing that I wanna try, I'm really curious if you guys get to try, I'm curious to see what you think. I started playing with this company called Cannaway. They make um pretty awesome C B D supplements from peels to liquids to the whole thing. CBD does wonders when it comes to fighting pain, inflammation anxiety and a whole bunch of other stuff so check it out the website is cannaway which is spelled with a k so it's k-a-n-n-a-w-a-y.com forward slash and please check out the numbers because the number past the forward slash are what allows them to check if you have gone through us or not so it's cannaway.com forward slash 249-6006 jesus 249, let's do it that way, 249-6006. That's easier to remember, 249-6006. If you didn't get it, that link is in the episode notes. Please check it out. And if you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You like it, you don't, what you think. With that, let's jump into the episode. Get down with CBD. Yeah, you know me.
Brothers and sisters, it's been a while, but raise your hands to the air, because Father Bellelli is here to shatter some biblical notions. Yes, let's go play. Praise be. We are going to play with something not exactly canonical. Is from the Acts of the Apostle Thomas. From the third, it was written in the third century, so didn't quite. Church authorities were debating whether to include it in the Bible or not. Decided not to because it was a little too out there even for them. By the 1500s, it was flat out considered heretical, but before that, it was actually very popular. So it's one of the things. Like many times when it happens with some scriptures, there's a debate of like, is this authentic? Did we include it? Somebody else with hasn't had as much wine come in and say, we can't include that shit. Are you insane? No, <laughs> that stays out. Uh, but so how you did know, this survive though? Um, this actually was a part of something at some point, and just people kept I mean, it hidden. And yeah, kind of. Uh, they didn't have to keep it hidden before because even when it wasn't included, it wasn't considered bad per se. It's like eh, we're not entirely sure. In the 1500s, yeah, it was like it is bad, but. So this is uh, like a Dead Sea Scrolls. Kind of from the 1500s forward, yeah, it becomes this, uh, yeah, not the kind of thing that you are supposed to own post-1500s. Like my book of Mary Magdalene I have here. That one, exactly. The It involves, since it's the Acts of the Apostle Thomas, guess who it involves? It involves Thomas, who was of uh, dubbed in Thomas fame, the one who poked Jesus' wounds before he decided to believe in the resurrection. Now, this is a weird one, okay? In the, the Acts of Thomas, Thomas is actually Jesus' twin brother. Don't even ask me about that. How can that happen? I'm not really sure, but... I, all I know is somebody's hand probably caught on fire when they got a baby out. Something, yeah. Something weird. In any case, so that's already the reason for why probably they decided not to include it. Um, the resurrected Jesus tells Thomas to go preach in India. Say, okay, that's your space assigning jobs to everybody, to all the boys. You go here, you go there. Thomas, you go to India. India? Thomas, exactly, has that reaction. He's not feeling it. So he says, nah, I'll pass. And Jesus need to clarify for all of his boys that his offers are not the kind that you can refuse. So he does what any recently resurrected God would do with unenthusiastic followers. Uh, he sells him into slavery. Oh, so Jesus grabs Thomas and uh, sells him into slavery. Why did he do it? Special move that day wasn't you know he could have just smited him with just a pile of ashes smoking underground, but no, he wanted something more creative. Yeah, so, there are a few theories about why Jesus decided to go that we path. We got fucking rules here. And if you're not gonna listen, you're gonna pay. Right? There is it's he's Jesus, and it needs to be known that he's not one to be fucked with. So yeah, that's <laughs> that version. Or B, don't fuck with me, Jesus. I think that's what we're dealing with these days. Very possible. The other version is that he sold him to the emissaries of an Indian king. So this was a way to get Thomas to India after all. You're gonna like you're gonna like mango chutney one way or another, man. <laughs> exactly. He's like, get ready. <laughs> Thomas gets there and pieces off the king since through his influence he managed to convert the princess and her new husband who, deciding to obey Thomas' cheerful teachings about sexuality, decide that sex is evil, and so they don't consummate their marriage. And the king is like, the whole point of this fucking thing was to have grandkids and to have heir to the throne and all of this. Thomas, you suck. <laughs> um, 
However, in the meantime, Thomas, like his twin brother, was a carpenter, so the king ordered him to build him this huge palace. So provide the money for all the construction and this, and Thomas grabs all the construction money, turns around and gives it all away to the poor. The king is like, first you get my daughter and my son-in-law not to have sex. Then you grab all the money that I've given you to build this palace and you give me crap. I'm not too happy with you. So, you know, <laughs> I want, by now I want your head on a pike, you know. And, uh, you know, so I personally would have had his head on a pike and he's screwing things up for the king in a big way, but somehow, I don't know, the king was a wimp or something, but they allow him to keep on breathing. However, the ghost of the brother of the king plays a vital role in saving Thomas. Because the brother of the king supposedly appears to the king and tells him that, you know, after his death, he had gone to heaven and saw this amazing place in heaven, which was built thanks to Thomas' kindness in helping the poor. So Thomas, after all, he had built a palace, just not on earth. His kind ah, actions had led to this palace. ghost palace in the clouds for when the king would die, that's where he would live in heaven. What was, yeah. the, what was the king smoking? I know. Well, India, they have good stuff. And how could this have gone down? I mean, the Hindus are there, I'm sure. Yeah. The Muslims are there, I'm sure. Yeah, and this period, no, no Muslims yet. Not yet. So we are saying, but Hindus, yeah, of course. They couldn't have been too happy with all this talking. So, you know, but on the other hand, Thomas is not just a talker. He can also pull off some pretty cool things. You know, he's after all the twin brother of Jesus. So at one point he raises a woman from the dead. Oh, he's got power. He, he fights a dragon. Dragon? Yes, because apparently there were dragons in India. And This um, is the greatest Bible chapter it's ever. Awesome. Dragons and ghosts? Yes, it's amazing. And uh, there's uh, he performs exorcisms. And my favorite part is that just like Shrek... <laughs> he pulls around with a talking donkey. And the talking donkey tells him that he's related to the donkey who carried his more famous brother to Jerusalem. Of course. We go way back. Yeah. So there's a whole conversation there with the talking donkey and stuff. <laughs> he converts a whole lot of people. So it turns out his trip to India was successful after all. However, another king is a little less patient than king number one, and when he goes into his kingdom, he gets mad and has him executed. However, worry not. Three days later? Worry not, because Thomas will keep performing miracles after he's dead, which is kind of a good miracle in itself. Ghost miracles. So, yes, that is... Well, how did that go? Would you just show up? Can you believe they excluded this part from the Bible? This would have been awesome. Yeah. It's just as ridiculous as the rest, but it's so, ridiculous in an awesome way. This I love this one. Acts of the Apostle Thomas. It's basically a Marvel story with Thomas as some kind of weird superhero. I got to know more and, about the dragon uh, battle. How I know, did that come I know. about? I'm not sure. I, uh, I just got the basics. It's, I think I got the inspiration. I got a lot of inspiration from this podcast. There's, um, I mentioned him before, Sebastian Major in... Uh, our fake history once in a while he has some actually fairly often he has some incredible stories and he brought up briefly the acts of the apostle Thomas. i was laughing by myself so i'm like okay i need to research this a little more so i started digging in i read the story i was like oh this is too good this we have to discuss this so thomas is sitting in his little 
slave quarters. Yeah. And a, a meek young lady comes in with a sack of gold, and her people have sent her. The the dragon is is destroying all their crops, and they need someone to help. It's probably like, how it goes. Well, I'm not embezzling from the king today. Nothing else to do. Let's go take care of it. Let's go do it. Yes. I wonder if it's in the company good... of in the company of twelve dwarves. Why not? And uh, or ghosts leading the company of Thor in Oaken Shield. Now you're talking and uh, defeating Sauron. Yes, I think that's a good story. Damn, Tolkien thieving again. Yeah, that's a great story. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereal Plane for a visit into Bellelli's Dream Time. Well, it's Dream Time. But you say you're dreamless right now. I'm dreamless. But so. that's okay. I'm packing one today. Cool. Do it. Um, us poor sufferers of the anaphasia where we have no internal visualization does not come into effect at dream time. Hmm. My dreams are Super completely, vivid, incredibly right? vivid to the point where I found myself a few nights ago in my old house in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything as it always was. And... This house was built in the 30s when there was some sort of crazy rule that anything above a certain size, like a very small kind of four by three room, they would tax you by the number of rooms. So all the closets were these tiny little things because you didn't want to be taxed for an extra. Anyway, so because of that, we had lots of small closets. And for whatever reason, I have, do you have like repeating scenarios? Like I have dreams where... One are like the unkept aquariums. Like mm. you come to something that they've been living there by itself for six years and it's overgrown and there's monsters inside of it. Really? That, I get that one many times. That is fascinating. I never heard of that. Nothing that's like that? That's a pretty peculiar kind of thing. And this one sort of falls into I also have another one where it's um, an old like plantation house. Uh-huh. Massive four-story out in a swamp somewhere. Okay. And when I drop into that i'm like oh i'm here again and this place is like and i've explored it but i've never gotten through all of it and somewhere in there is some insidious um i think it's the thing that loves war because it lives off the fear and pain it creates that lives inside and like i've been through the basement where all the still wet uh uniforms of the soldiers are hung nicely it's insanity and i know she's up there but um, I never quite make it, and I can never get out. Do you make ever, like, are you thinking, do you ever have the thought of, like, past lives kind of game? Or what Could are you be. making? I mean... Because that's another really have, peculiar, weird silver, dream. I have a, a photo in a Civil War book that is identical to me. It huh. looks like me leaning on one of the giant mortars, and this guy shelled New Orleans for three years. Right. Totally identical. Wow. So... I don't know, but it is things like that where the mystery continues and it's yeah. like, oh, we're back here again. So continuing episodes. Anyway, on the uh, unkept aquarium front, in the old house, just like it always was, not really expecting anything, open the closet door and a hermit crab the size of like a large dog, like a, like a German shepherd or something, yeah. a big giant shell comes rolling out. And starts chasing me through this perfectly realized version of my old house. <laughs> and I go to war with the, with the hermit crab. Oh, that's awesome. And I mean, just so realistic that when I woke up, it was like, 
Oh shit! Did that just happen? Oh, I dig this drive. That's yeah. That's it good. was quite, and I mean, big, you know, big giant pinchers are snapping away. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna make a great action sequence at some point. But wow, yeah. So you don't have any like recurring things where like, killing I, I, people. Really? I mean, yeah. There's always somebody who's coming after me, or there's always a good reason. There is never like I never wake up going, "Oh shit, what did I do? That was horrible." It's always. I ended up smashing it with the air conditioner unit, the window unit. Really? Pulled out and smashed it on its shell and finally That's got away. Where... Yeah. But oh, I don't know. I guess I'm crazier than I ever thought. But I also got the dream. Um, not anymore. I don't think it has happened in a few years. But I always get the classic dream of everybody, which is the, oh, shit, I haven't studied for this exam in how long? Oh. I have to take the exam. And you're still in school with the exam coming up. And you're like, Damn it. My latest version of this one, and who knows what the hell, but it was some sort of talent show was going uh-huh. down. And I couldn't even find the script that we put together. And nobody right. was ready. And the people before us were on stage. And they've got like a, a Pink Floyd level display and a yeah. wall and a thousand people. And it's awesome. And we ain't got shit together. Aye. And it's just like... <laughs> They're about to be done, and we're up next, so yeah. Yeah, I've been down that road. And uh, it's funny, there's also a giant concert hall Uh in my head, and it's like, I think it comes from the old Bugs Bunny where they would have rows and rows, and the nosebleed would be like a mile above the stage, and looking for a bathroom. Hmm. Just searching and searching, and that one's closed, and go down these 3,000 stairs, there might be one there, and it's a good sign, I better wake up. Wow, because I'm some, definitely searching for something. You have some good ones. Yeah, man, they are good. But I dig that it. Goddamn hermit crab. Let me tell you what. He could in fight. that moment. It was. It's amazing how realistic they can be. He could fight. Yep. Which always makes me wonder. You know, the old song says, "Merrily, merrily, 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 life is but a dream." So yep. Maybe this is the dream of the poor guy who has been fighting the hermit crab who lay down to sleep and dream of recording podcasts yeah, and a uh, gentler time. Yes, definitely. Before more, the brother of the hermit crab is coming back They're for coming. you. And oh yeah, no, like these aquarium dreams are crazy. They're yeah. like stacked together. Just think of like you left it so somehow enough plants would grow so it could just feed and feed, and so these giant fish are like trapped in these wow. endless aquariums that and is the weirdest i keep wanting to call it fetish it's not a fetish it's the weirdest uh image that is the recurring image that sticks and terrifying too because you yeah. never know what's actually in there of course so you might kind of get up was it something yeah. oh that's good i like it so yeah i like them too It's rant time, everybody. I have a mini rant. It's not really a rant. It's a, sort of directed at myself of being a grumpy old person. No time. Um, I found myself fortunate enough to go to this thing called Yuri's Night a couple Saturdays mm-hmm. ago. And Yuri Gregarian, the first man in space. Well, they celebrate that now. 
And here, well, they throw parties all around the world, but the one in L.A. is particularly epic because it's underneath the Space Shuttle Endeavor at the Science Center. Sweet. And big party and DJs and crazy people in all kinds of costumes, spacey costumes. There's Captain Kirk's and Han Solo's and the whole bit and really creative folks with some great stuff. A group of men in black came in. I was being one of the greeters, and, of That's course, awesome. they tried to take me into custody, but I have my purple card, so they couldn't take me. Nice. But um, it was really an awesome event because it's just a bunch of space nerds and, like, lots of real rocket scientists and astronauts coming to do speeches, and it's a cool thing. Um, but being a grumpy old person, I saw that there's something called a silent disco. Are you familiar with this concept? No. I had seen it once on TV. And what it is, all the kids have headsets, and the music is through the headsets. So when you walk into the room, it's just feet right. moving around, and uh -huh. woo, and you know. But essentially, there's no music. Now that being said, where the space shuttle was was a full-on DJ and yeah, trying yeah. to rock the place apart. But they put this inside. There's a there's kind of a small aquarium at the, at the science center, so it's dark except for the aquarium. And these headsets going around. I don't understand. What's the point? Exactly. And I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. And I don't know why they're doing it. And I don't like it. Well, I stepped in and put my headset on. What I found out as you walk in, the sets are red, blue, or green lit. Mm -hmm. And it's three different DJs. So it's three sets of music going at the same time. So people are dancing at different tempos in little groups. But what happens is like a great song comes on and all of a sudden red, 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 right. they all start turning red. And it's almost this crazy group dynamic study Weird. to watch how the part, I thought I was going to hate it. I found it incredible. It's kind of like how the birds in a flock manage to. It's exactly what it's the... like. And so, and you can see Weird. like, when, and, and people will be checking around and like a particularly great song and then all of a sudden now everybody's red for a while there's you know there's always a couple of guys in the corner i'll never be anything but blue but it was cool to see how the djs were fighting to gain of the course. crowd that's cool and it was way cooler than i ever thought it would be and so once again the old old geezer here so you are in a known rant. You are in a actually turn out to be a good thing kind of story. It just I was complaining um, about myself being silly sometimes. Where and then you know nine times out of ten that stupid new shit is stupid. Yeah, but sure. this really was, this was something cool, and uh, everybody dug it. And it was a good time. I have a this stupid new shit is stupid kind of thing. Uh, there's plenty of those. So a law that just passed the uh, April 11th, so just not that long ago. Um, called it sounds so i mean who would disagree with this it's a law called stop enabling sex traffickers act or sesta i well, mean that sounds like something you could get behind yeah that makes sense right no more little would, girls uh, being scooped up and put in cargo containers on their way to dubai or some shit yeah makes I, perfect I, sense I, I right be, i would be for that i would think pass with bipartisan support did anybody read uh, it uh, Trump signed it, Democrats behind it, Republicans behind it. It's all good idea, right? Except that when you look at what it actually does, uh, it's it's another law where the, the idea behind it makes sense. Sex traffic is just an awful, awful thing. So yeah, what the fuck? You want to squash it? Absolutely. But that's not necessarily what this is doing because here is one of the things that happen is that 
the because of the language in which is written is ambiguous enough one of the thing it says is that basically they can go after any website if that particular website includes sex trafficking services which again it sounds like okay i see the logic you know if some uh, somebody essentially wins leave somebody for sex and then sell them on the internet yeah you can see a problem how that would be but the can you classify of, like tinder or something is that as sex trafficking because of that not quite but essentially sex trafficking become any kind of prostitution i'm trafficking myself including so that doesn't mean kids getting kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery suddenly means consenting adults it means just any kind of you know escort services that kind of thing so suddenly you went from this reminds me is almost a carbon copy of the idea of the man act of 1910 where the whole idea in the man act which you know if you guys checked out history on fire the jack johnson episode there was the whole you know the man act was the anti-white slavery act you know was this idea of uh, those Jewish mafia organizations are kidnapping good white women and selling them across state lines for enforced prostitution, which, granted, the reality of that compared to the um, hype was, I'm sure stuff like that happened once in a trizillion year. Didn't really happen one hundred of what people believe it happened. A lot of it was paranoia. But, but it still, enables you to kick indoors. So. Exactly. But that's still a bad thing. So why not? The problem is that an act, because the way it was written, is stated that anybody crossing state lines with a woman for immoral purposes could be persecuted under the Man Act. Suddenly, it wasn't just applying to people being forced into prostitution, which is a terrible thing. Suddenly it applied also to willing prostitution. And suddenly, because it's the 1910s and that's America of it's the time, lynching time, it applied to boyfriend-girlfriend crossing state lines because that's an immoral act. So, Did Mike Pence write this law? I know, right? So a monstrous amount of, of prosecutions had nothing to do with what the intent of the original intent of the act was. And it became something else entirely. What I'm seeing with this uh, Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act is basically the exact same thing. You know, it's like, yeah, of course you want to squash sex trafficking. That's a terrible thing. But this is not what this is doing. The, the number one thing that this is squashing is escort services, which, yeah, granted prostitution is illegal. And that's a whole other conversation because it probably shouldn't be. And it's a dumb idea. But what you are doing is essentially driving underground an industry that the more you drive it underground, the more dangerous it becomes. For the women involved, oh, yeah. more dangerous it becomes because, you know, you want to go after sex traffickers. You want to have the website so you can bust them and find them. It's easier to find than if they go through other channels where it's considerably harder. Let alone the fact that 99% of the business done on those websites is willing adults and has nothing to do with this so you have you know it's another case of a law that in theory sure it makes sense actually it's a very good idea but the practical consequences of the law are the exact opposite of what one would wish for that just feels like that was the insidious plan all along yeah that just, just or it's stupidity which i don't well, discount they either live as, together don't yeah, they it's uh I mean, Amnesty International has finally declared that prostitution should be legalized mm -hmm. just for the safety of the women. Of course. And especially in a time when, you know, whatever the next AIDS might be, 
get people tested. You know that the product is clean. It makes it better for everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things. It's like when uh, there was a crackdown on prostitution in the late 1800s, the rate of STDs increased dramatically because rather than having a system where prostitution was regulated with medical checkups and everything else, it was just street prostitution, which is where the real danger of stuff happens. So exactly, this is a case where you have a bunch of prostitution in the US, which is escort services done in a way where there's a lot Everybody looks more, the other way. There's a lot more safety involved. So what you're doing with these is essentially pushing the same women. We're not going to stop, and not just women, by the way, mostly women, but also men. They're not going to stop tomorrow because, oh, there's this Louis pass. What's going to happen is that they're going to be pushed more toward the street where the dangers, the violence, the STDs, everything is sky high. So, yeah, good job. Nicely done. That was uh, That was good thinking. So yeah, that when I saw this one, I was like, ah, and yet you can see why you know everybody voted for it. Because what are you gonna be the guy who said no to the stop enabling sex traffickers act? You you mean you're pro sex trafficking? It's kind of like saying what you are against the war on drugs. That clearly means that you are you want to give heroin to five year olds. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fuck this Have you stuff. ever seen a five year old? They bounce around all the time. We gotta slow them down a little bit. <laughs> prohibition rarely ever work in any context and this is one of those where it's just yeah sound good when you read the first line and it turns out to be a horrible idea once you start digging a little deeper well you know with the marijuana being legalized they're gonna have to find something to fill those prisons with <laughs> crazy little one this week today we have outlaw ethics a lesson in outlaw ethics Excellent. which should be that's the one course i would want to teach in college i think uh what are you taking this semester i'm taking uh, math 32 english one and uh, outlaw ethics oh that would be a good uh so isn't i were watching a movie <laughs> in which a group of gangsters engage in rather unsavory actions. Um, is this puzzle? She said, why do they have to be so mean? Don't they understand that that kid, and she's referring to a kid in the story whose father is about to be murdered by gangsters, don't they understand he already had a, a rough enough life? And I said, well, you know, most gangsters don't become gangsters by being the caring types, which is, <laughs> well, you know, that's a Pretty sad true. reality. Yeah. Which is why Robin Hood is an ultra cool but rare archetype because he's an outlaw but he has a heart and that's what you want. And look, and, I have a heart. It's just for a certain collection of people. <laughs> and these, I see her thinking, and she's like puzzled and thinking about it. And she goes, "You know, I'm kind of an outlaw, but I have a heart." And I was like, at that point, I figured that all my failures as a parent had clearly been redeemed in that moment. <laughs> I was like, whatever wrong I have committed has been redeemed by the fact that she's here saying these things now. That's the good stuff. Which kind of makes me think, I guess this is a ease uh, with minor rant attached. So let's chat a little bit about outlaw ethics. Excellent. 
Because I dig this. I mean, the usual stupid duality of things is that you are either the goody-goody, follow the rules type, or you are the transgressive, cool, because it's kind of fun, there's something exciting about it, but ultimately you're an asshole and you're a bad person committing ugly things. I very much enjoy... I think I mentioned it before once when I was uh, compiling the list of my inspirational people on Facebook, I realized that I put, I listed Robin Hood three times where I was like, okay, I think, I think that's a recurring theme that pops up. I despise people who take advantage of the weak. I despise people who are preying on uh, people's weaknesses, insecurities, and those people need a bullet in the head but at the same time i very much enjoy a good outlaw story if there if there's heart because the thing you know what it is that i like about it i think what i like is that you know the playing by the rules game is an interesting concept if it wasn't for the fact that most of the rules in most everything are naturally rigged because the game is and I'm not making any kind of weird conspiracy theory. It's just it's the nature of power. You know, if you have power, you're going to create rules that benefit you yeah. and not necessarily everyone else because you want to hold on to it. So in many cases, there are plenty of games in which the game is so rigged that following the rules is just being silly. It's just, uh, you know, kotowing to the powers that be and letting them instill their own weird sense of morality that's convenient for them, which, by the way, they don't practice, but it's good for you to believe it so that you don't make too much trouble. So I dig the idea of, you know, especially, you know, if you think about the kind of lives that most people live, where most people will have to uh, take a bunch of shit from some boss at work. They have to, you know, gravel along the way and do all that. Pay their taxes. And instead, somebody who sort of grab their balls with one hand. By the way, sorry for the... To the three ladies who are listening to us, I'm applying a very masculine image. You can grab your metaphorical balls. It's all good. <laughs> hoist the black flag go out and just uh, start taking what's yours now start taking what's yours doesn't mean again prey on the old lady or rob from the corner store where that family has been owning that little place to make a living on it means the, that's why robin hood is the cool story is he's praying on who is he praying he's praying on uh, the sheriff of Nottingham yeah. and those guys were raising insane taxes on everybody and then he goes and take them back and hand them right back out. So the idea of somebody who can wouldn't take one cent from uh, the average person but would have zero problems figuring out, figuring out ways to creatively uh, give corporate profits a healthy trimming. You know, just, uh, you know, those profits are getting a little too fat. Let's keep you in shape. Let's just, it's a form of exercise, really. It's yeah. like it's helping. That to me is brilliant, which is why I'm reading right now a book. Somebody sent me this book called, uh, the title itself, I dig it. It's called The Be More Pirate. And he's, uh, he starts out with the whole story of how basically the pirates of the heyday of pirates, you know, the pirates around the Caribbean's time and all of that, you yeah. know, 
those guys were some of the pioneers in some of the coolest concepts in terms of uh, individual freedoms, uh, individual right to vote, uh, um, people of all ethnicities having the same uh, rights on the pirate ships, all of that kind of stuff. And, and his thing was, you know, the pirates were revolutionary pioneers in concepts that would not be applied in the mainstream until much, much later. So they were allowing the uh, labor to uh, have a voice in decision-making. The labor was the decision-making. There was nobody else. It's just uh, even the division between the captain and everybody else was pretty damn close to equal. And that probably never really existed before yeah. in and, civilization and, at all. And so I was like, yeah, as long as, as again, because there were... The problem with exactly what Isabella was saying, you know, a lot of the typical people who go down that path then are predatory assholes. You know, they are uh, for every for every Vito Corleone you get, there are like 2000 asshole mafia types who are the wars of the wars, you know, where there's no honor, there's no ethics, there's no nothing. Or just your low down junkie that's going to steal your TV. Cause... Absolutely. And in fact, that is the problem with that stuff. Um but I do dig that what essentially is a paradox is combining these two things that don't seem to go together, which is a willingness to play creatively outside of the law while at the same time having an insane code of ethics that your own ethics that you don't break and you have a heart and you do all. That to me is, uh, I don't know, it's one of the archetypes that I dig the most that I'm always fascinated with. I'm going to get you an eye patch for your birthday. Right. That's where <laughs> speak like a pirate day. And uh, yeah, because I don't know, man. It's like to me, it's, um, it was interesting to it. Some of it is cultural because I remember like being in school and it's funny, but every single person I would know coming from another country would cheat the hell out of exams. You know, that was just the nature of the business. People in the U.S. were absolutely shocked. It was like, you do not do it. You are only cheating yourself by cheating. Is See, uh, I feel the same way. That. Isn't that terrible? And, and to all the foreigners, we would look at them kind of like, what are you talking about? You know, this is a rigged game where they make you jump through 17 hoops that have nothing to do with real learning. It's about getting that stu- real education is something else. What you're doing here is doing all the right steps to get the stupid piece of paper that they want you to have so that you can go open that other door. So it's a free for all. It's whatever you can get, you can get. It's like See, I never I never cheated. Never, huh? No. I, I haven't even even had opportunities where Answers we presented, you know, this yeah, teacher yeah. gives the same test. And of like, course. And I didn't want to do it. I, I would prefer to gain the knowledge. I mean, and, and you know, I'm, well, it but is a lot the of these people too. are idiots, too. It is and the thing, maybe too. their lack of capacity leads them down that road. I wanted to, I wanted to learn. That's what I was there for. Well, it is part of the issue, though. In order to cheat, yeah. you need to learn. Because there's no way that you can, uh, like, not know shit, not study, and then uh, cheat and do well on an exam. You won't, you know, because yeah. you're not going to have every single... Uh, you know, you're going to have little tidbits that make the difference by 10% on your grade or 20% on your grade. You're not going to be not study and do amazing. That's just not going to happen. But, for example, like, you know, gain the knowledge. You can read the books, 
you can, but you have to memorize a shitload of stuff, which clearly three weeks later, you're not going to remember 90% of it. Yeah, so if the game is just how much can I retain for that one exam? Hey, if there's an extra cheat sheet or two over there that helps you remember a couple of things, <laughs> not the, you know, that, that would qualify under the victimless crime. Uh, but... Well, uh, if your grade outranks mine with your cheating, uh, there is a victim. Well, there is if there is a curve. If there is a curve where we only give 10% A's, then yes, yeah. there's a problem. If there isn't a curve, then it's not. Yeah, you know? it doesn't affect. I don't know. That's a strange thing. I, I, I pretty much try to do the right thing all the time, and it's led to uh, poverty. Yeah. Just like everybody else. Yeah, that's the... I don't know, man. I find it, and, and again, it's so interesting to me because usually the people who are willing to cross the line, they usually do it in a very assholish kind of way, in yep. a very self-serving kind of way, and that I completely despise. Um, what was it? Game of Thrones. You prey on the weak, the brotherhood without borders will hunt you down. You know, I like that concept. Yeah. But at the same time, not all the rules are born equal. And I think that's a point that I guess I want to make. And I may have mentioned it before, but it's an important one. This, I absolutely hate when people have their set of ethics that they espouse, like, of course, this is the moral thing to do, mm -hmm. except that then they don't live up to it. So, for example, case in point, um, speaking of cheating, cheating on your relationships. Right, the fact that the overwhelming majority of people will defend to the death philosophically the sanctity of monogamy and the importance of marriage that way, except that then they are going to be the first one to make excuses for themselves to cheat left and right at every other occasion. That I have no respect for because you know if you tell me, look, I think monogamy is bullshit and I don't want to live that way, and you are clear with your partner and you say I want an open relationship, okay, that's honorable. That's your being honest and you're living by your principles. If you tell me that you believe in monogamy and you live by it, okay, that's honorable. I dig that, you know. What I hate is the preaching something that then you can pull off in reality. Because that kind of shit is just where I, that's what I mean by the, the rules that people play by. Like, you know, the stuff I'm saying about outlaw ethics make it sound like I'm more than happy with all sort of shady behavior. But the funny thing is that when it comes to my own principles, I won't compromise not even a dot. You know what I mean? It's like, I can think that monogamy sucks. But if I get into a relationship and I tell you that, okay, this is sure, I agree to the fact that this is going to be a monogamous relationship if that's what you want, yeah. then there's no fucking way I'll ever break that, ever. Like, there's not even a chance of a possibility, you know? To me, it's, that's the way it's supposed to be, though. I mean, your word is... What, yeah. else, what else do you actually have at the end of the day? Exactly. And what's really depressing is how we swim in this ocean of hypocrisy. Yeah. Everywhere you look. Whereas... Outlaw ethics. My point is, I don't follow the same fucking rules. I ban the rules all the time. But I'm very clear about what I do and what I do not ban. And the only ones that I do ban is because, in my estimate, in my analysis, I don't see a damage done to any human being. And so I'm okay bending rules that are not hurting any other human being. Yeah. But I'm not okay with bending rules that lead to, to praying on the weak. You know, plain and simple. Well, you're not going to last long around here with that, buddy. The weak are here to be destroyed. The weak are... Uh, Ask our pal Paul Ryan. Right. 
there's yeah i think that's what's funny that to me is like a lot of the goody goody morality is practice is preached by people yeah. who then are under the facade of this goody goody morality are actually worse assholes than somebody who's a open and clear pirate who just tells you this is how it is but we can do it in a nice way you know <laughs> again very rare but it's very rare both ways it's very rare to find nice people among uh, outlaws it's very rare to find nice people among the goody goody live by the rules people yes. it's not that because you're a goody goody you're a nice person no it's, you're probably a pain in the ass if you're so a goody goody to me it's like above everybody else the breaking of the rules is not what makes you good or makes you bad the breaking of the rules is just an extra tool in in the box so to speak that's it but who you are the as isabella put it you know the having a heart part that that has nothing to do with the rules bending part Well, once again, it's story time, everybody. Um, normally somebody gets killed, but I guess this week, millions and millions of things are going down. Yeah, no humans, but uh, it, this is a story of human stupidity. And um, Wow, that can go a lot of different ways. In this case, one that took place in communist China, which, yes, surprise, surprise, they could push some stupid policy. Who would have ever guessed? I thought mm. communism was an amazing utopia where everything would work out thanks to an enlightened state. <laughs> Didn't quite pan out. So in this one case, um, as part of the Great Leap Forward in China between eight, 1958 and 1962, Mao pushed this idea of the need to eliminate the four pests. The four pests were rats. Okay, I can sympathize with that. Flies. I'm down with that. Mosquitoes. I'm down with that too. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. It is the one where they screw things up. They go after sparrows. Because the sparrows were seen as like, oh, they eat a bunch of fruit and grain and seeds, so they are bad for productivity. We're already starving half of our population. Maybe we should, we need to improve uh, the amount of food we got. So let's kill all the sparrows. I'm sure they did an extended environmental impact study before they began this. Clearly, of the kind that uh, the EPA is always engaged in. Yes, yeah. that type of stuff. So what they did was, you know, they started shooting sparrows, destroying the sparrow nests, uh, squashing the eggs. Uh, they would, uh, one that I found particularly interesting was uh, citizens who chase the sparrows around or wherever they went with pots and pans and drums just beating the hell out no of way. stuff so that no the sparrows way. would never have a chance to rest on a tree. And before you know it, they would fall dead from the sky from exhaustion because they kept flying around, being chased from everywhere they landed and stuff. So sparrows started dying, like to the point of near extinction in China. Now, what about the other birds? Were these folks such great ornithologists that they could pick? It? Oh, that's definitely well, not I'm a, sure occasionally there were a few other thousands of birds who died, but you know, primarily <laughs> the focus was. Um, <laughs> Now, for example, there was um, 
There was one case where the Polish embassy refused to allow the kind of the for the Chinese request to enter to be able to kill all the sparrows from there. Literally, so there were, a sparrow sanctuary. Yeah, there was a city. sparrow sanctuary. However, the sparrow sanctuary doesn't keep noise out, so the the Polish embassy was surrounded by people with drums who banged for like three days straight until. Eventually, the Polish embassy personnel had to use shovels to clear the embassy grounds from dead sparrows. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that. That reminds me of Game of Thrones when they uh, when they had taken Winterfell and uh, and uh, the traitor who ends up being Reek. Oh yeah, yeah, and of they're course. blowing the horn outside. <laughs> I'm gonna kill that man with that trumpet. I know that's basically something along those lines. Had to be lies. pretty miserable like that. Yeah. That's how it is. Or Noriega getting the, uh, the the heavy metal music for days and days. Yeah, that would do it too. But what they do here is that, surprise, surprise, this plan backfires. Who would have ever guessed You that mean there six... may be a niche that the sparrows um, help yeah. out with? Turns out that the sparrows, beside eating grains, they also eat tons of insects. And getting rid of the sparrow means that suddenly you have bugs galore and they are eating all the crops. So after the wipe, the near wipeout of the sparrows, production of rice and other grains doesn't increase, doesn't stay the same. It actually plummets because the increased, dramatically increased amount of bugs start cleaning out all the crops. You know, with no sparrows around to eat them, a nice plague of locusts show up with locusts eating, you know, swarming the country, eating everything they could eat along the way. So, yeah, that was uh, played out well. So the sparrows were just taking their fair share. But the locusts, they, um, no talking to them. Yeah, they, so by the time they figured out, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this, we need to stop and stuff, you know, they had screwed up the ecological balance, which contributed to what's known as the Great Chinese Famine, which where it's estimated some between 20 and 45 million people may have died of starvation. Now, this wasn't the only reason there were other reasons that had to do with production and everything else but clearly at an already bad time these made things even worse what an epic so, level of suffering 40 million people starved to death yeah and and i guess what an epic level of stupidity it's oh. like you really didn't think this through very well did you it's like come on man what were you thinking you know a million years ago, back when I lived in Tennessee, a friend of mine was in the National Guard, mm -hmm. but he still wanted to smoke weed. Fair so enough. the only way around that was to be a part of the marijuana eradication force. <laughs> because then you could test positive and not get into trouble. Of course. And I always felt, you know, I don't think as many people dislike weed as dislike poison ivy. Yeah. And what they should really have is a poison, poison ivy, ivy eradication, eradication force. Yeah, I don't really see too much of a function for poison ivy. I no. may be mistaken. But well, we found out, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the poison ivy eats a lot of bugs. Yeah, yeah, and, we would uh, have to find, but... Locusts would be everywhere. Yeah. But I just thought that would be a better use of our tax dollars than... Uh, used to be, I don't know if it's still the case, but back in the day, Tennessee is not a big state, but it has like 70-something counties, so everybody can have their own little fiefdom. And to uh, keep everybody on the straight and narrow, in the early spring, they'd come out. This year, we're going to focus on Grundy County and Polk County. Right. 
and they wouldn't even look in the rest of, of them. Course, because, of course. So, you know, the guys in Grundy County are just, oh, well. Move business in the next one. Yep. And, and uh, they just, uh, you know, not really find anything. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Because everybody was getting paid. Yeah, that's how it always is, right? If there's enough business, money goes around. It goes a long way to... It would even reach the point, and I don't know how much disclosure I'm giving right here, but there would be, on the cardinal edges of these little highways, would be these mysterious barbecue stands in the middle of nowhere. Of course. That they might sell four sandwiches a year. Right. But when it came time for distribution... They the sheriff would be by to get his chunk of money and probably several pounds of weed. Of course. And everything just hummed along nicely. That's the probably, game. Probably get a rat in the mail now. But On that uh, note, uh, how do you pronounce this guy named uh, John? It looks like Boner, but he'll tell you it's Boehner. Oh, of course. Oh, he's the traitor. Yeah, he was anti-marijuana to the entirety of his uh, Speaker of the House and just last week decided that, you know... And, oh, and said, and I will never change. Of course. Never say never, because the time has come. And apparently, one of his friends was suffering from some malady, and the cannabis helped him get better. And now that there's money to be made... Yeah, because he's on the board of directors yeah. of a cannabis company Weed and stuff. Co. And he's making bank on it after contributing to pushing policies that put lots of people in jail for weed. Yep. So yeah, nicely done. Proving the point that money seemed to have an amazing power to somehow... Because uh, this guy said that, you know, he evolved his thinking evolved over his time. Thinking, yes. And money seemed to have an incredible power in helping people evolve their thinking. It's, it's the Evolvo Master 2000, man. It's it how it is. No, that's... Uh, was it hypocrisy that we spoke of a bit ago? There's a yeah. nice extra dose of it right there. Oh, These sure. guys... And just to sit there and, and crush the poor people, I don't know. Everybody keeps telling me, and I guess it's the truth, it's, it's always been this way, but does that necessarily mean that we can't be the ones that take the step forward? I saw a, t- a terrifying tweet the other day from our friends in Canada. It's like, you don't believe in education. You don't believe in helping the poor. All you want to do is make war. The world is watching. Yeah, then again, it's sort of the nature of power. You know, the nature of power tends to be ugly. The nature of power tend to be short-sighted profit for me, 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 and screw everyone else. That's kind of the, you know, when you look at the way power has played out throughout most of history, it's kind of the nature of the game. So it's... Uh, well, in, does that just dictate that that's human nature then? That's just how we are? Just a bunch of mean monkeys that climbed out of the trees and learned to make atom bombs? <laughs> Going back to ancient traditions, it's time to reach deep inside the digital mailbag and see what might be what query might be waiting inside. We'll peek among the hundreds of questions that people send. Stack to the ceiling. Let's have. Uh, um, I forgot who wrote it, so sorry. Apologies for not remembering. But it's a question basically about having kids and relationships and things like that. So I mean, the guy fully acknowledged that the whole. Uh, you know, men who go their own way movement is mostly a bunch of losers and all of that. 
However, he's saying it's also true. There's a point there that there's really no need to be in a relationship or to have kids to be happy. Um, you know, how essential, what's the deal on choosing not to have kids or per se even maybe not even be in a relationship. And I think it's, it's tricky because yes, I mean, I, for one, okay, let's look at the kids example. There are a lot of people who have kids who really shouldn't be having kids because they're oh. awful parents. So I think in that regard, if you have the understanding that maybe maybe you're not going to be the happiest and maybe you are not going to be that great as a parent because you'll always feel that it's taking too much away from your freedom, from things you want to do. I think that's a good understanding. And so following through with that rather than saying, sure, I'll have five or six kids. Why not? And then be a shitty parent. That's, you know, it's a better choice to understand that for sure. And the fact is... That understanding tends to come a little late, though. Yeah, usually that's how it works. <laughs> and, uh, you know, usually around year three, you and you're like... Oh, this sucks. Oh, wait, this wasn't... <laughs> I gotta do this forever? It's like, it's kind of like how people get puppies going mm-hmm. like, they are so cute. And then when you have to work for them and two weeks later, you're like, yeah, I'm done. That's how... It's kind of the same thing, except not that easy. No, just exponentially more complicated. That, by the way, would be a great business idea to have like a kid shelter and then you can send uh, sad pictures with uh, sorry but this week we got to kill them to make room for the next ones so please adopt some uh, for a little extra charge and uh, yeah okay so that was this that wasn't such a good business idea or second thought but no and you know it's just gonna fail because the, the christians only help you while they're in the oven after yeah, that that's... they don't seem to give much of a shit but i guess the um... I'm conflicted because on one end I do feel there's, um, and again, it varies from person to person. Everybody gets different things. I mean, for some people, not having kids would be just horrible, right? Because they get so much of what makes them happy in life come from having their kids. And I get that. There are clearly some amazing things that come from having kids and having a good relationship with your kids. Um, I also see the other side of the coin that, of course, that goes with a monstrous amount of time and energy that you are not going to have for other things. And you will, so stuff will need to go from, you know, there will be things that you want to do that you can't do. And no matter how much you try to structure life around, like, oh, I still want to be able to do what I want and have kids. Yeah, you can to some degree, of course. In 20 years. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're in prison. (laughs) No, you can do stuff with your kids. But, you know, realistically... It, everything takes time, right? Kids rightfully take time and energy, which means it's time and energy you're not going to have somewhere else. So I do see the point where, yeah, you, you don't need to have kids to be happy. You don't need even to be in a relationship to be happy. Now, the problem is clearly that goes with why do people stay in a relationship? Why do people have kids? A lot of it is... Uh, it's a great antidote to loneliness. It's a great antidote to feeling like, you know, you have some serious, meaningful relationships in your life rather than being the hermit monk on the mountain who does his thing. And, you know, you have all the time and freedom in the world, but at the same time, you're lacking something that makes most human beings happy. And the folks I know that are, you know, moving into their 50s now that haven't had kids or marriage or something like that, they begin to panic a little bit because... Who the hell is going to be left? Their parents will be dead shortly. Right, of course. And now you have a lifetime of you know, your, your wild decadence and got to do whatever the hell you want to, but you're going to be all alone. 
Yeah, there's that too. And I guess there's something about being alone that learning to be alone and to be happy is a skill, right? And if you do it, that's powerful because then, I mean, think about how many people are in a relationship, which is a shitty relationship. And the only reason why they don't get out is because they are afraid to be alone, right? There's a lot of that as well, where people are, they stay in a relationship or really honestly, you shouldn't. It's just you stay because you have that fear of, but then I'll be all alone. And so learning how to be alone is awesome. On the other hand, learning how to be alone and, and being alone. Yeah, and needing your medication. and Yeah, it's a different kind of... So I think it's like anything else, really. Is there, are, there are prices to pay. There are things you gain. And which one, how heavy are the prices and what you gain really depend on how you are built as an individual. Um, no two people can have the same answer to the question. And I know it's a cop-out because it would be like, oh, you know, you need to give a clear answer. But the reality is that there is no clear answer that's true for everybody. Because some people are fairly well-suited for a more what to other people would seem like a lonely life. I don't know. The way this world is, I feel like if you don't have children, you're missing out on one of the most epic portions that there is to offer in, in a lifespan. I agree, but I also see and I wouldn't the force it on anybody right, either. But absolutely, but I think you don't go through that when you, you uh, if you're you're just gonna have to be reincarnated and try again because you right. didn't <laughs> you didn't check off all the boxes. You know that's but but that's I think also the other side of the problem is that many people check the boxes in a, I'm supposed to, but then they have no talent and no passion for it. So you're just a shitty parent who does a bad job with his kids, they are going to spend years in my daddy never hug me kind of thing. And the end result is, yeah, you would have probably been happier just doing blow and visiting hookers all the time. Because, Your kid definitely would have been. Yeah, because this is not really serving anybody. You know, you are more miserable and you are a bad parent. So, But isn't it strange that the uh, kid creating a, a situation is just built into is just the drive for sex is so mm -hmm. intense and constant you can't really escape it wait until sex robots show up let's gonna change the game yuck oh what's that show the based on the michael Crichton novel westward westworld westward here we come in yeah. more ways than one well <laughs> As we're going to find out this season, uh, the robots are not happy about how they've been treated for the yeah, past 30 years. And slightly confident in that. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Cool. Well, I don't know if there's any answer there. I mean, nah, you're going to live the life you live. Yeah, once again, and like as I'm finding out uh, with doctors talking about, you know, what's the proper diet for you? It's just it's how your body burns, you know? You could be this guy that can eat ice cream and chocolate all day and burn it all off, while other folks, you know, have to restrict themselves. But I don't know. I wouldn't do it if you didn't want to, but I can't imagine not doing it because it's been a very important part of my journey. Well, the funky music means one thing. This is the end of another 
excellent episode of the Drunken Towers Podcast. I thought that was uh, quite eclectic and a lot of great stories in there. And y'all are just lucky to be a part. I can't, I can't tell you that enough. This has been fun. I dig it. Shall we say thank you to the sweet folks who donated this month? Absolutely. Let's do that. Let the pottering begin. Mr. Michael Gates, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Aaron Weisner, uh, Samuel McNichol, Harry Johnson, Lisa Robles, and Ken Crook. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for sure. I Do you think Harry Johnson's a real name? Not Harry, Harry. 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 Why? Have a look at my Harry Johnson. (laughs) I think we might be getting played. Is that what's going on? I don't know. If it's not, I apologize, Harry. I remember we got a donation once from Miles Davis. I love that one. Yeah. That was brilliant. Did Michael Hunt come by? Mike Hunt? Not yet. Yeah. He'll be by after Harry leaves. (laughs) Hey, I... uh, Things are getting excited on the Kiva tip. The $100,000 is like a few thousand dollars away from happening. There's over 200 of your fellow listeners have joined in to help. Almost 3,000 loans. And we're almost to this sort of big point. But in a discussion, people were wondering that what happens if you fund a loan that doesn't become fully funded? Mm -hmm. Do you get your money back? And the answer is yes. Any loan that's not fully funded, the, the kind of thing they don't talk about so much is that any loan before it's even put up onto the website for people to fund has already been provided so it's just easier to like collect the money and then distribute it It would be so much more difficult so they find the people they think they're good they give them a loan and then we fill the bucket up to fund it so and if there's everyone that doesn't actually get funded uh that's the problem with the field representatives and you just get your money back on the website and give it to somebody else so don't worry about that and uh feel free to jump in now man we're going to cross that hundred grand uh in loans and that's incredible so who would have thought it very cool operation all the brainchild of mr rich evers i'm just joining in with something i thought was okay i'm sure they'll disappoint me one day (laughs) well played so far (laughs) um if you can use our amazon link that's a good thing there is an indeed amazon link in uh, on the website in the episode notes for any kind of purchases you may make Um, you gotta do your shopping after you go into the link, it's sort of a tricky thing. You can't yes. like do it on your end and switch in. You have to actually go through the link and then... Yeah, it cannot be saved in your cart already. It needs to be all stuff that you click right after. So there's that. Um, I mentioned in the open, if you guys... I'm curious if you guys get a chance. If you're interested in CBD in any way, shape or form, there's this company that makes uh, CBD supplements. We have a link for you if you want to try it out. Um, the, it's cannaway.com forward slash 2496006. Cannaway spelled with a K, so K A N N A W A Y.com forward slash 2496006. jingle, see? Now it'll be stuck in their head for now sure. Now it's easier, yes. That's... Move some damn CDB oils. Well done. I always say CDB because I, with Charlie Daniels. Is the Charlie Daniels it's, band? I see. So and that's I just can't get. I get it wrong every time. I even try. Even think about. It. I'm gonna get it right. I'm CBD. I got it written down there. And when I say it, it's 
CDB. It's not the devil went out and down to Georgia. It's a good CBD to help you fight inflammation and other things. Which sounds so, much better than battling the devil. Yeah, considerably. So good stuff. The, not that, you know, with the CBD uh, capsules, of course, you would have been able to defeat the devil and win the golden fiddle. So, yes, I think uh, CDB would have uh, benefited from CBD. Absolutely. That's my theory. Well, he'll just tell you, devil, you just come on back if you ever want to try it again. Yes. I've told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best it's ever been. That's the way it is. That's a great song. It is a great song. Um, I remember that song from the 70s. And Boy Scout Camp was at this big public swimming pool. And for like two weeks... That's all you heard. It was two songs. I mean, it was the craziest combination ever. It was the devil because they, you know, yeah. had a jukebox and the kids would throw the yeah, quarters in. Course. But it would go back and forth almost all day long between that went down to Georgia, and of all things, Samantha sang's "You Can Ring My Bell," which oh, was a disco-y hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really Fuck was that. a confusing moment for the children. Yeah, yeah. Country music followed by bad disco. And I love good disco, but this was bad disco. Yeah, no, no. Give me some Donna Summers when you get straightened out. Anyway, Down. there's another crazy memory. That'll probably sprung into a, uh, another attack of the killer hermit crabs. Right, time. that's what's coming up next. <laughs> so, well, you guys know the deal. On it, that's Usara Shore Design we mentioned in the open. Links are in the episode notes, so please check them out. And with that, I think it is time to wish you an amazing day. And until next time. Au revoir. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-L-E-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo cazzo, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's.
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh... Uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell Can me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.